Welcome to Questions for the Sages, a podcast from the Washington, D.C. area. I'm Michael Scherer. Today I sat with Andy Andrews, who regularly comes to the Hare Krishna Temple on Sunday mornings to participate in the Srimad Bhagavatam class. We talked about the scriptures, his initial contacts with them, personal goals and understandings, mysticism, and many other things. Thank you, Andy, for appearing on the podcast. You can hear the Questions for the Sages podcast on questionsforthesages.com, the Questions for the Sages Facebook page, in iTunes, and on YouTube. Thanks again, Andy, and thanks to the Hare Krishna community of Potomac, Maryland, for making this podcast possible. Hello and welcome to Questions for the Sages, a podcast from the Washington, D.C. area. I am Michael Scherer, and today I'm talking with Andy. Yes. Hi, Andy. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. And uh, uh, Andy, I know from uh, recording the classes for the Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, which are 10.30 every Sunday morning, and uh, Andy, you're a a regular participant you're there pretty often I try to be every chance I can can. well I I guess um, the obvious question is why oh uh, well that's my ideal really is what I've never worshipped I've gone to different churches but I've never worshipped in something called a temple and uh, so I just started coming here just to try it. And, and, and you know what? Let yeah. Let me ask you just a little bit about yourself because I think we're we're, we're jumping in without anyone really knowing who you are, or oh. um, where you come from. Yeah. Well, actually, I'm local product. I'm born and raised in Maryland, and I've traveled around the world, but I'm mostly a local kind of person. Uh, and I'm retired. I retired early. I was a software engineer, formerly, and so I had time on my hands to do things. <laughs> wow, that's nice. And uh, yeah, I'm building a shed now. I really enjoy it. But I've always had this, like, hunger and thirst for something. Uh, I didn't even know what it was for many years, and I, I grew up uh, kind of a Christian tradition, but I didn't accept any of it. Why not? I wanted it. <laughs> what was wrong with it? Like, what, what was... I couldn't feel anything special when I went to church. I mean, it just looked like people in a room doing things that people do, you know, with a certain program. In other words, I didn't find the, the extra indefinable God something that I was I thought should be there. So I, I kept rejecting the different... Uh, religions. Well, how did you know? Uh, how did you know something was missing? Well, I think. I mean, I don't want to build myself up, but I think I have a, a certain aptitude. I think I always knew that God should be there, but I didn't even believe in God. But I, but I had this. I thought there must be something more, right? Uh-huh. Something more. But I, I didn't know what it was, and I, I didn't... When other people said what they thought it was, I didn't believe them, I didn't accept it. And so I was in this state for and a was long this, time. was this like a conscious thought, like uh, there's something missing? Yeah. 
I mean, it's just that some people, I guess because I'm not that well adjusted, I mean, <laughs> because some people are happy, like my wife, she's just like a happy person and she does very well, right? But for me, I always thought, is this all there is? I can't believe this is all there is, right? Because uh -huh. there are good times, but then there's some really bad times too. Yeah. And I said, that's all it is? It's just a roller coaster, good and bad, good and bad, good and bad. It didn't make, it never made sense to me. So I was always trying to find out, you know, by reading and everything, if I could find out what... What was missing. Yeah. What, yeah. Now, uh, did you ever experience this something so that you knew it was missing? Was there ever an experience of what it is that you felt you lacked? Well, I mean, maybe in a short, for a few moments, and then looking back, you realize it didn't satisfy long term. So I might have had a few brief so, victories. So, <laughs> so did you go through life with a vague sense of incompleteness, unfulfillment? Yeah. yeah. It's it's very tough. I mean, to me, it's it's hard. It's like a, it's a, quite a problem that I've had. So this is a problem that I, I would guess that you're coming to the temple to somehow address. Well, it's a little more positive than that. <laughs> I mean, that's the motivation. Yeah. But I, and then I, through my studies, I realized there probably was a God that could be found. And the question is how to find him. And I still didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So I was searching for a way to do that. To find God. Yeah, to get closer, to, to, to draw closer to God. Uh-huh. And through your studies, what, what oh. were your studies? Oh, I've read a lot of things like uh, uh, Zen Buddhism. I read, read a lot and I tried to practice it. And, uh, you know, Eastern religions, so I checked those out. Uh-huh. And I, I had like, it was like a, kind of a short, not really short, like a couple of years maybe of a love affair, but then after a while it just starts to wear off and you say... Well, what was your involvement? Were you reading books and practicing at home or were you in a school or did you have a guru or what? No, I never had a guru. I was mostly reading, uh -huh. but then I, you know, I studied like uh, yoga, physical culture, and I met with classes and talked to people who also... They, they were Buddhists and everything. I talked to them and, you know, communed with them a certain amount. But, you know, yeah, it was mostly on my own. Uh -huh. But that, but that's also how I came across a book by Prabhupada. What book was that? <clears throat> Bhagavad Gita as it is. So this, this book had an impact on you? Yes, yeah. Well, because, what happened? Because I'm a really voracious reader. And the first thing I noticed is that he's a really good writer. I said, I love the way, I love what he's saying. You know, I, I like, I love the way he writes. So I wanted to read it. And so I just, that was when I first discovered uh, this, this thing, which is right how under you, my nose. How did you come across the book? Oh, well, my wife and I went on a trip to Chicago and we stayed in a hotel and they had in the lobby, they had a bookshelf. It's like, Take a book, leave a book, right? Like mm -hmm. a sharing bookshelf. So I said this, oh, what's this nice big orange book? You know, it looks, maybe it's interesting, right? And Bhagavad Gita, I certainly had heard of that because that's a famous, everybody 
has heard of the Bhagavad Gita, right? Uh-huh. It said, as it is, what does that mean? You know, so I started reading it. So that's why. And they, I just took it home with me because it was there. And that's, that's what opened the door. I would have never, I would have never come, without that book, I would have never come to this temple. I would have never gotten interested because of um, my age. Uh, I, I was in college, like about the time the Hare Krishna movement was really opening up. Uh-huh. And the Beatles and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and you know, let me be honest. It be, it was a like a kind of a joke to a lot of people because they were in the air, oh, yeah. airports, that, kind of making yeah. fools of themselves, of course. And irritating people sometimes, and but they were, I mean, I I have to be honest. There's a lot of people that think, well, that's like some kind of sideshow. I mean, those people are freaks, right? Yeah, and couldn't relate to it, so it wasn't taken seriously by a lot of people, including you. Well, I had that same feeling, like yeah, well, yeah. you know, these people are. They're really going overboard, you know, yeah. or something or other like that. So, even though I knew there was such a movement, right, I would never consider it seriously, right. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I did was that book. I'm reading Prabhupada. I didn't know there was a serious doctrine behind it. I, you know, chanting and loving God, and that's great, you know. But for me, just my personality, I want to read. I want meat. I want serious theoretical. Foundation. information yeah. and there it is and Prabhupada is doing it better than almost anybody else just laying out his logic what do you think he's laying out is he is he sort of making a case for God is he making a case for religion is he explaining God what what is how would you sort of explain what he's doing in that book I I think he's explaining what many people believe is a real science that's been in the works for thousands of years with this, with these uh, teachings, these Vedic teachings, right? And he's making it, uh, giving you an entree into it. Because I can't read Sanskrit. I don't know what's going on. I, I'm only relying on translations, right? Yeah. And, and even Prabhupada said he wasn't satisfied with a lot of the translations he's read, right? Yeah. So he's opening up that whole, you can accept it or reject it, Right, some some people just accept like science or mathematics automatically, even though they don't really understand it. Right, so it's the same thing with this. It's a whole body of knowledge that can be accepted or rejected. But he's making it, uh, giving you a way to say, okay, look, we're going to really try to explain what's going on and what what this thinking is that's been going on for a long time. But how do you access it? So he's giving you access to that. All those scriptures, all the all that knowledge that's been since thousands of years ago, people. How long ago did you read the Bhagavad Gita as it is? This was about two years ago. Okay. And since then, what has happened? Well, then a, a series of... It, it opened up questions in my mind, right? Which is how I got to this temple, right? And, and I picked on some... some uh, Actually, a Nepalese guy in a food court. <laughs> it's, that's that's how he makes his living. He's selling these with his wife. And it wasn't busy. So I had a question in my mind about uh, Vishnu versus Krishna. And I asked him. And, you know, he kind of gave me his answer. and then, Which actually wouldn't be 
that well accepted here, but it was a genuine answer from because he grew up. I knew he grew up, must have grown up with that, taking it for granted. Yeah. Right. And I want, just wanted his. What did you hear? What did you learn? You know. And he told me, and you know, it was an okay answer. But he said, by the way, you know, there's a place down in the Potomac. There's a temple down there. You can go down there and check it out. He told me. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I said, oh, okay, I'll go. I'll go try it. And that's that's how this started, and that was a couple years ago. So, when you came in here, first of all, you had your uh, '70s perception, preconceived uh, ideas. Yeah, so, yeah. You, were you more or less expecting that sort of thing when you arrived? No, no, I'm not that kind of person. I I come in with an open mind. So, and what happened on your first visit? Like, what was what 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 went on? Well, I mean, of course, I didn't know what was going on, right? And, and, you know, Christian, we're not used to, um, they call them idols, so yeah. we're not used to the deities. But I put that aside because I said, who knows how these look to the people that really practice it. I, I can't just jump in and say, oh, okay, idols, I'm getting out, right? So I put that aside. But the nice thing was the, the temple president was nice to me. Ananda. Yeah, she came up to me. She didn't, she's very busy. Yeah. Even today, she barely has two minutes to talk to me every week but she actually took a little time and talked to me and tried to get me started and I, I said well that's really nice you know once I didn't at first I didn't even know she was a temple president I started to realize you can see her authority right so right right I said well that's really nice that she took she was willing to help me I mean I'm just stumbling in here I have nothing on the ball you know I I don't you know not a magnetic personality or anything, and she actually took took a little time, and I said, "Well, that's really that's a good sign, right?" Yeah, it made me feel good. Mm-hmm. So then I started. I said, "Well, I'll try to come back again," you know. And then you want me to keep going? Yeah. <laughs> well, what happened was, uh, I think it was the third time I messed up and got here a little early. I mean, I left a little early. I was trying to get here about twelve. Uh huh. And I, I got here a little early, and then there were people in that having a class there in the Bhagavad And it's not even advertised or anything. I guess there's a lot of activities here, so it's hard to know them all, right? But anyway, I watched it, right? And, and that, that's like my ideal of a, what happens in a temple, of sitting around with like kind of a structured but free-flowing discussion of real spiritual issues. I said, wow, this is the greatest thing. So I had to find out. What time does it start, right? 10.30. So I, as soon as I found that, that's my ideal activity that I would, I want to be in a class and, you know, where they go over these scriptures in, in depth. And I just want to mention that's 10.30 Sundays at the temple in Potomac, Maryland, yeah. the Iskon Temple. Yes. And everyone's uh, welcome. Yeah. But, but it's fairly advanced. I mean, you, it's in detail. Mm. It's not just... They're going into good detail, so you have to have that kind of interest, uh, which I did, which I did. Now, having been a voracious reader and in the class that sort of um, filled the need of sorts, why the Srimad Bhagavatam? Because that's what the class is on. I, I guess I want to know. You've mentioned that you were influenced at least to to have an open understanding from the Bhagavad Gita what about the Srimad Bhagavatam what can you say about that well it's con- 
it's called a master's course. So the, I think the Bhagavad Gita, although it addresses many things, it it has kind of a a narrower focus, like of certain issues of. I'm not even qualified to talk about the Bhagavad Gita, but it's it addresses certain philosophical issues, right? And uh, but the Bhagavad. Uh, Srimad Bhagavatam is a, like a comprehensive like uh, master's course on the origins of the universe we live, the origins of God, uh, all kinds of essential spiritual issues, right? So it's very comprehensive and it's very long and, uh, you know, in our lifetimes we may not we probably won't have time to go over it in class because it's so long. So it's a very, I think it sums up a lot of Vedic wisdom. Yeah. Is what attracts me. Yeah. And um, what's significant about, significant about Vedic wisdom? I mean, there's a lot of wise people in the world, a lot of wise cult, cultures. Why, yeah. why Vedic? Well, I mean, the way it looks to me from what I've studied is for some reason, that's I think is still mysterious. All this stuff comes from the East, right? If you think about it, it well, emanates. Uh, Buddha was Indian. I mean, guy. <laughs> when you say when you say all of it comes from the East, I would say yeah, a, a lot of a lot of good yeah. stuff. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't sort of try to pinpoint the source of all good things. Well, I in grew any up place in particular. I grew up uh, in a Christian environment, and that's the Middle East. Yeah. So it's that to me, it's that same. Why do we always look to the East for these things, right? I mean, that's the real source well, it does of where... It depend on where you live, too. Yeah, I'm not undercutting <laughs> anybody else's tradition. I mean, because yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm ignorant. And if I went there, I'd probably find uh -huh. out lots of things. But but all I know is the, the Christian tradition all emanated from... Uh, well, it started from the Jewish tradition, because Jesus was a Jew. Right. But that's that... That's East, you know, that's the East, and the East is kind of mysterious, and, and, and like, I studied Confucianism, uh -huh. also coming from the East, right, which had a very impact, even big well, impact. Well, maybe, okay, so... That's just my but, crazy But, I mean, theory, you're, but. you're sort of uh, saying you have a high, uh, an innate high regard for things that come from the East of your geographic location. Yeah, yeah. But I, th that, I, I, I'm not satisfied with that answer. Uh, I, I want to know... <clears throat> Why? Why the Vedic uh, understanding is significant to you? Well, just because it's so ancient. I mean, these people were writing things down thousands of years ago, thousands of years ago. But just because it was a long time ago doesn't necessarily mean they're any smarter than we are. So, what do they have? I mean, what's the value? Uh, I mean, besides, I don't besides just being old. Uh, there's more to it than that, I would assume. It's received knowledge. I mean, it's in a different language, Sanskrit, which is not even a, it's not a dead language, but it's it's not a very, um, you know, current, you know, everyday speaking language either. It's right. Kind of I language. think it's like Latin. It's sort of, it's a... It's not as dead as Latin, but... But it's... <laughs> <laughs> it's close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so it's yeah, it's it's very complicated language, and uh -huh. um, you can't just get into it. Uh -huh. Like I can't get into um, Islam because I can't read Arabic. Yeah, 
and the translations are very difficult because uh, it, uh, that that was spoken <clears throat> the you know to the prophet Muhammad he spoke the that so that's spoken Arabic right yeah and which was transcribed yeah. but then to properly receive it you need to you have to you should be a speaker Arabic speaker and the translations are going to not give you the real well, yeah. flavor. I mean, that's true yeah. of anything. Yeah, yeah. Of that's any translation. true. So, so, um, but that still doesn't answer the question. <laughs> I know, I'm kind of wandering around. I just... The, I mean, why? It's what, not, what do you like about it? Well, well, I like the attitude, for instance, um, the attitude around these, uh, what I perceive as the attitude around the Eastern religion is different than the attitude that I perceive with a Western religion. In a okay. Western religion, they have a big emphasis on sin, right? Uh -huh. You can sin against God, and certainly you can, right? But that's like a big deal. And when you do that, you're wrong. You're mistaken, and you need to be corrected, or you're in big trouble, right? Uh -huh. But with Eastern religions, I think they're different. They're more inclusive. They're more forgiving. They're more both and. And they... So if you're having problems, you say, you know, I'm, I'm chanting this, and I'm still feeling bad. And they say, well, how are you doing with following, like, uh, the dietary things? You're eating, you're not eating meat, and we recommend you do this and that. But they don't say you're wrong. They just say, we have these, these things that have come down to us, which we believe are very good, and they work, right? But they're not putting it on you as a, as saying, you're, oh, you're so lost, you're so mistaken, you're so wrong. They're saying, we have these great things We'd like to, like you to try mm. them. You know, we recommend them. You know, so it's a. You know, it's, I like that attitude. It, and it's almost like you're saying it has a different personality, and it has yeah. a personality that you prefer. Yeah, yeah. That that that's the best. Now, yeah. is that mm -hmm. is that like uh, you prefer the personality of the people at this temple, or you prefer the personality of the scriptures themselves? It's the personality of the scriptures. The people are the same. The people are the same as any church. Like we're going to have Holy next week. Uh -huh. It's going to be the same as any church gathering. You're going to see a lot of strollers. You're going to see, you know, it's going to be the same people. So, uh -huh. uh, and people that study, follow God, even in any religion they're at least nice while they're while they're there they're on generally on their best, on their behavior. best behavior yeah but no what it really attracts me is the personality of the scriptures itself the way they're presented and uh i like that's what i what i think of with the eastern religion i like the the philosophical philosophical bent of as it appears to me that they're coming at me like even uh, Buddha said, he said, don't believe me. He said, you try this. This is a prescription. You test it. You right. see if it works. I'm not going to tell you. Don't just take my word for it. You you want to practice this, and then you should, I believe that you'll see that it works, right? And to me, that's a positive kind of message, and at least that's the way I perceive the, the message coming from the, the Vedic scriptures. They're just trying to show you what they think they've discovered, yeah. you know, and and uh, and you can believe it or not, you know. And uh, has your life changed in the much in the in the in the past <laughs> two years since you started since you first picked up that Bhagavad Gita? Yes, I I'm happier. Yeah. And uh, 
which is, yeah, I'm happier and um, I have more, um, because I'm kind of, I think I was kind of a loner. Like, uh -huh. when you're reading a lot, your nose is in a book. You're not making friends. You know, I have a few friends. But I've actually started to become more sociable. Uh, they have the Sunday Serve program. Uh-huh. And I did that, and it actually made me feel good. And what did you do? I, I was serving the prashadam. I was a prashadam's the food that yeah. they serve on Sundays. Yeah, and you have to set up the tables. Uh, but so that that wash pans. Oh, it you, made me so happy. Really? Yeah, it's work, but it was a way to get closer to other people. Because otherwise, if I didn't do that, I would just be like coming here and chanting and doing the kirtan. And eating prashadam and going home—that's all I would be doing. It wasn't enough, you know. So, so I wanted, I wanted, uh, and the other thing I've never had at other churches is real a feeling of real communion with the other people in the church. That's what's supposed to happen, but I, I never really felt it. That's mm. that's one reason that I I got away from those. But you was, feel that here? I feel it here. I feel it here. I'm still not that. I don't think I'm that sociable of a person but right. then i notice people coming up and they remember my name and and it just feels so good i i feel like i'm getting closer to some of these people yeah and uh i feel like we all want the same thing i've never really felt it that way before so that in that sense it's working for me it hasn't solved all my problems but i think i'm somewhat happier because i know there's a place i can go and really be commune with these people and, yeah and we're all you know, we're all kind of suffering in life, but but still, that feeling that we can work on it together, I, I feel that. So I'm I'm that that much happier that I have at least once a week I can I can do that. Yeah. And I'm practicing at home now, which I never felt that much of an impetus to do before. Well, and, and why are you practicing at home? It makes me feel good. Yeah. I, it does. It sounds kind of corny. I mean. It's, <laughs> It does. It really does. sounds corny. If somebody told me that, I'd say, yeah, yeah, you know. But, but no, I try it. I give it the, you know, like the Buddha test. I try it. Right. And I say, okay, let's see. I'm not assuming I'm going to, I'm not going to fool myself in and say I'm going to be happy because I do this because I'm not that kind of person. I have to really feel it. Mm -hmm. And it does make me feel better. And, and, um, it, it, I don't know. It, it just, it's hard to pin, put, words on it but but I do feel my general level of happiness has risen above what it was and that's the only reason I'm doing it you know uh, you know the learning but you know you want to feel like you're making progress and getting something out of it which which has been happening so far yeah so far so good and it's spread more to home not just once a week so I to me that's a good sign that yeah. I'm on to something that might work. <clears throat> you know, I uh, coming here, it, it seems to me that the philosophy all sort of circles around and supports the notion of loving God, um, which in itself is sort of a, um, a distinction. Uh, not every group of people <laughs> comes together to love God or to try to love God. Mm-hmm. Um, my problem, I, I'm, I'm very happy with this notion, 
but my problem is that uh, I can't honestly say I have any idea what love is or who God is. So I'm limited. I can pretend. Uh, that's easy enough. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm stuck back at, at the starting line as far as uh, understanding the fundamental uh, sort of uh, components of the, of, of the whole operation. So that leaves me, I, I don't know where that leaves me. I don't, I don't know, where do you fit in uh, sort of theologically and uh, in terms of your goals here in the community? Well, I want to understand about loving God, which is really loving God. Not just becoming popular with other church members. I mean, mm-hmm. oh, that's all great, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> I want the real thing too. I want to feel that real love, and I'm—that's something I'm really working on as hard as I can to understand what that is, what that really is. And yeah. that, we had a lecture today on that. Yes. And uh, I wanted to ask him a question, but I—I I didn't do it because it would have to be a very involved question, and you know, probably nobody wants to hear that. I mean, that's more suited for a different venue, maybe. Uh, yeah. Like the class where you can really drill into things but um, yeah this is one of the big questions is because that has opened up because of the teachings here they want you to well for your own good for your own sake they want you to love God but it's on a they describe a thing called a transcendental plane which is God's plane mm-hmm. he operates on all planes but his, I guess his home plane is the transcendental one. Yeah, we're I, not I on guess. that. We're not on that plane. We are just flesh and blood, and all we know is this thing which they call an illusion. That's our total start out, our hundred percent reality. Right. So we want to. We have to learn to chant, which we're told reaches God on that transcendental plane. But we don't get any feedback of knowing that we've hit the transcendental plane because we can't sense it, right? Once you do, then I'm sure a really big thing would open up. You know, if you are aware of the transcendental love, the transcendental plane, that's probably the whole thing, right? But Do you think you can be aware of the transcendental plane? Yeah, I, I do. Cause, um, because of, um, this is my own theory. I mean, it's not given to me by this church, but... Because of the subconscious mind, right, which is, uh, like Carl Jung was saying, it's, it, it connects all of mankind, right? It's some kind of it special ha- mind. It has yeah. some sort of functions of an antenna. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Picking up who knows what, though. I mean, like, like in your dreams. I mean, if you look at your dreams, they make no sense whatsoever. Like, right. Prabhupada had that example of like, you can dream that you see your head being cut off, right? But you think about it, it's impossible to see your head being cut off, right? Right. But so so there's obviously something different about this this mind that uses a whole different set of rules, right, and yeah. uh, norms. So I think personally, that's connected to this transcendental plane. I mean. Okay. 
and, and your, even your own subconscious mind doesn't know how to talk to you and tell you what it knows. You have these crazy dreams which you can try to interpret. And that's actually, I believe, now we're getting in, really getting into some of my personal theories. Yeah. Your subconscious mind trying to communicate with you, but you don't know what the heck, what, you know, what does it well, mean? Is, you is know? Like, it makes no is sense. Is this like you know? a sober person trying to have a conversation with a crazy person? And the, it's, just it's like, harder than that. It's harder than even, that. Even, it's even worse than that. Yeah, I mean, your dreams are like a Kafka novel. The guy but, turns into a cockroach. Well, let's not, let's not, you turn let's into not, a cockroach. Um, what does that mean? You know? Let's not automatically associate dreams with transcendentalism. Oh, I, well, I'm not. I can't say definitively. Yeah. But I'm, I mean, just the idea that there's, why is there this thing called a unconscious mind? What is it doing? You know, where, where does it fit in? Why is it there? It just makes me think there's something more. Hmm. So there, there, I believe there's something more. And hopefully and potentially, this is a way to access that something more or perceive that something more or... Just get closer to God, right? Okay, and where does God... He, I mean, he is a personality. That's, the, that's what they teach you here, which is... A, that's significant, but yeah. he's a personality. But he's really 100% spirit. He doesn't need anything else. Right. right. He can just eliminate the whole universe. It makes no difference to him. He doesn't need any uh, matter or anything. He's all spirit, right? So to me, that's the kind of thing that puts you on the transcendental plane. You, you have no connection to anything uh, material or, or temporary, right? So that's, to me, that's that. I don't know much about it, but that's one way it's different. It's a soul. And then we're told that we are actually have a spark of that eternal, uh, some eternal thing in us, right? Yeah, and maybe that spark is consciousness. Yeah, so you have to focus through that. Like they used to say in the, when you study Buddhism or Zen Buddhism, right? That there's that space right at the, above the bridge of your nose and your forehead. And that's like the gateway into connecting with this, with this. Uh, yeah, I mean, whatever you call it, uh, you know. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's it's well beyond my experience or understanding. Yeah. Well beyond. So, um, so you asked me to talk. I'll just go on. And oh on. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just babbling. But but anyway, I I think there is a way, like when you. When somebody reaches enlightenment, okay, uh -huh. and then other people agree that they've reached enlightenment, but that person can't just tell you, okay, enlightenment, here's what happens, right? You know, they can't really tell you, and you Why can't not? really understand because, <laughs> because it's on that different plane. It's, oh, I'm not going to tell you, you know, you do, all you know is your flesh and blood and your, the sun coming up and your, everything that's happened to you. I can't tell you about someplace you have no conception of. Right? You know, I had a thought <clears throat> that enlightenment is kind of like love in this way. Um, if you tell someone that you love them, telling them that is an act of love. And the act itself it verifies itself. Like, um, 
there's not really a test for love. Well, I guess, I guess you could say, um, you know, how much are you willing to sacrifice? But love is love is love, and, and you can't really, there's not a loveometer that you can apply to yeah. how other people are feeling. And if someone says they're enlightened, what are the tests you give to verify that? You can't. There's no. But, but is this a similar thing where if somebody says they're enlightened, well, then they're enlightened because yeah, that's right. you, you can't. It's 100% subjective. If you say you love somebody, there's no way you can disprove that. Exactly. Yeah. But I think enlightenment or, okay, apparently enlightenment is the same sort of thing. If yeah. someone says they're enlightened, you have to kind of take their word, don't you? Because you don't know yeah. what's going on yeah. in there. Until they do something really evil and you say, okay, I'm not... Right. You know, you know, but other than that, yeah, but they they can't. But so we're dealing with these very subjective things. Yeah. That that now you know. We want to be scientific about in some way, but uh, how scientific can you be? Well, you just have to take it uh, like mathematics. So you have to take their their assumptions, their axioms, and then apply these methods and uh, and then see what kind of result you can get. I mean, that's all. You can't just say, I'm losing faith in this. You... So that's why you can't disprove. You can either reject something like the Bhagavatam wholesale and say, well, I'm not going to read this 13,000 verses because I... You know, my life is short. I want to do other things, right? Mm -hmm. I want to study this or that, right? You can reject it that way. Or you can, uh, if you're really serious about that you want to try it, then you just have to try to understand what it's saying, which is very difficult. Without somebody like Prabhupada, it would, it would be extremely difficult. Because you could find different translations that would probably get different yeah, views sure. of kind of almost like the same verses. But... So the axiom is you accept Prabhupada's, you know, purport, you know, his interpretation. And you kind of, you and, trust him as a guide, right? Yeah, that's how I started with, because reading him, I said, now I know, I, I hear his voice. To me, you know, when you read a really good book, a really good author, it's almost like they're present, right? Yeah. So I, I, I see Prabhupada there, I see what he's doing. He's got, I think he's got a great sense of humor. I mean, right. I'm laughing. I, I enjoy reading it. I'm laughing at some of the some of the illustrations he makes to illustrate things, right? So you accept that, but then you still got this tremendous uh, 13,800 verses or something. You have to read 42 pages a day for a year to, to complete it. The whole thing, yeah. Yeah. So you've got to try to absorb or, 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 or figure out what that thing is presenting, right? And you don't, this is what I'm trying to do, you don't make any assumptions. You, you accept it as it's laid out. Hopefully you understand how they're laying it out. But they give you axioms, they give you principles like learning geometry. Right, and then you start working with that, and see if it holds together. So that's that's my goal with the Bhagavatam. I don't remember what we're, how we exactly how we got into that, but uh, yeah, it's it's learning the. What are they saying? You know, what is the real message here, and uh -huh. how is it properly understood? And then, only after all that, maybe you can apply it, 
and get some kind of enlightenment. But and and yeah. and that's what you would like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think I'm just one of those people that believes there has to be something more. Mm-hmm. I mean, I to me it's like almost like a joke. The things that like God is like when he makes the flowers like so beautiful and everything and you say okay I, that's all I know so I'm going to think they're beautiful but then when those little things happen that you're saying that's nah, just a little bit too much you know like you mean too good like well, too, that, that's why is that that's necessary so nice according to that just, can't be random or something like that yeah and I don't believe any of that ridiculous stuff about intelligent design I think it's I don't I have my own all my theories about, even about how creation would work but I don't I, Thankfully, we won't get into those, but but just things like um, if you learn about like birds, they call it bird brain. They're supposed to be really stupid animals. Uh-huh. They're not considered like a dog is many yeah. times smarter than a bird. What's well, I guess, yeah. Well, I mean, like a snake. I mean, how smart is a snake? I mean, <laughs> they have these instincts and everything. But so there's different yeah. levels, right? Up to wouldn't you agree? There's different levels of intelligence that you we. Apparently, yeah. I mean, we think so. I, mean, I think so. Well, anyway. Uh, yeah, I won't argue with so that. So my neighbor has these chickens, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> she keeps chickens. Uh-huh. For the eggs, I guess. And uh, and they're beautiful creatures, right? And they're penned up in this pen all day long. And then when she gets home from work, she lets them out, right? And then they start walking around the yard. And when they start to stray out of the yard... And their chickens' backs are turned to her. And she said, no, no, come on, come on, come on back here. And the chickens turn around. Now, how do they know that they're supposed to be doing that if they're, if they're brainless and they're just like animals just... I mean, that doesn't make, that's a little bit too much. Why should these chickens... I know that she feeds them, right? Okay, but and, um, and everything. I, will, I will grant you, certainly, that uh, animals are smart. Yeah. Um, and, and there's different levels of intelligence. But, but what's what's the point? Why do you need to be able to understand communications from a human being to be a chicken? I mean, I mean that's not necessary. If okay. if, if you're going to have nature and you're going to have genes, and they have to find an ecological niche, they have to have certain instincts, they have to be able to identify their food, take care of their young. But that's just like an extra. Why? Why do? Why is there that interaction even possible with a chicken? I mean. Oh, and you're saying that it this is an indication it, that there's something more. Yeah, there's something operating here that's a little bit, just like when you look at, like if you keep pets and, you know, you love your pet and you uh-huh. feel like they love you, it seems like that's not necessary. I mean, according to science, why would that be necessary? I mean, yeah, you they want to survive and they think you're their meal ticket, but there there always seems to be these things they do that aren't necessary. You know, they're, why, you know, why does that cat or that dog even have that extra personality? They don't need it, you know, according to evolution. Why would mm. they need to have that extra? And you think that that's an indication of something? That something is going on, that there's more to it than just what the scientists have told us, right? So do you think you're going to have a, 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 a an epiphany? Or, or is this a gradual <laughs> process? Or what's how is this going to play out? Oh, you mean out? like if I had enlightenment? Yeah, if you got if you got to where you want to go. Well, I've had I think you asked me this before, but I didn't tell you. <laughs> I've I have had brief flashes of uh, lucidity. Of 
really special feelings. Okay. Because I think this shows you what kind of person I am, but even <laughs> when I was in my 30s, I think you could watch like a really scary television show. Uh-huh. And you find it, you still have a little bit of fear of the dark. Because I used to live in a place where they didn't have any street lights and say there's no moon. And uh -huh. it could get pitch black. You could hold your hand at night. Well, you could hold your hand two inches in front of your face and you can't see your hand. I mean, that dark, right? Yeah. And sometimes if you're thinking about bad thoughts, you start to get scared. Or I don't know if it's anybody else does that. Oh, well, that, yeah. And you wonder, are my doors locked? I mean... You yeah. actually feel fear, right? Uh -huh. But this is when I was studying, um, uh, well, Jesus, Christian, which I still pray, I'm telling you, I still keep my other attachments, sure. as they say. I still, Jesus is a big, big thing to me. Uh -huh. But anyway, I noticed it was like pitch black. Like I could feel the darkness like just laying on my face, just like a blanket, right? Uh -huh. And then I suddenly realized I had no fear. I had no fear whatsoever i was lying in there i how and this was in your 30s yeah i'm and lying here i had no fear how long did that last just that one night just that one night <laughs> but it was enough to put this notion of something missing or this notion of incompleteness yeah where does that come in the from? rest of your life yeah why did i get that i mean i've been working hard to try to understand god and everything but I had it. I had it. And I had one other experience. I don't think I should get into that. Maybe some other time. But I had you sure? It. Well, I don't know how long we have. But this is a very... This is when I was studying Zen Buddhism. And uh -huh. I actually had... It's going to sound crazy. But anyway... What happened? I just... A doorway to perception opened up. And... Um, like I had never experienced before. It had happened one time. It happened one time. How long did it last? Well, it ha it lasted for one event. I don't, I shouldn't even really get into it. But anyway, I had studied the Zen Buddhism where you, the goal which a lot of Indians think is impractical, where you actually try to turn off your thinking mm -hmm. to zero. Right. That's the ideal. Mm -hmm. And I think at one time I actually. You did that. I did that. I reached that. Uh-huh. But then, you came back. Well, right. You don't stay in that. Okay. Uh, you know, you still have to live in the world. Oh, uh, yeah. And eat and sleep. And I, have, I, yeah. I have a book on uh, my coffee table that says something to the effect of after enlightenment, the laundry. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, no, I have that book, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. After, after so the ecstasy, is, the laundry. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so this has been your experience. So you had uh, a pretty profound oh, yeah. experience, but then you have to go about your regular... Yeah, and you still find yourself being mean to people you love. You say, hey, wait a minute. Why aren't I in Sartori or whatever it is, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, And I don't know if you're married. Are you married? No, I'm not. Oh, okay. Well, you can ask married people. And sometimes you... you know, especially for a man, it's hard to express how you feel to your wife. And other times, or same thing for a wife to a husband, you find them later on, I was really mean to them. Why did I do that? Mm. You don't even know why, yeah. right? Yeah. So this kind of behavior is, you know, it's you want to get rid of it, right? You shouldn't do that, Well, you know? I mean, that's, you know, it's one thing to open a door of 
perception and it's another thing to become a different better person i mean well maybe it I is i mean you're not going to change who you are right i mean that's right yeah i mean you you yeah. you are who you are the baggage yeah. of this body continues until this body is finished uh -huh. um but the person that you are uh no better no worse experienced a what cessation of thinking well it was more than that i actually i actually got the kind of thing that uh you heard about the yogis that they they like starve themselves or something and they they give themselves all these hardships mm -hmm. to purify their mind and then they get these special abilities and i actually got it for a brief period of time oh really they're was, called Siddhis, in, and actually they're, yeah. they're explained in the Srimad Bhagavatam. Yeah. I forget which section. And I realized that that's not an end goal. I mean, I realized from reading Prabhupada... What do you mean an end goal? An end goal. Oh, end goal. It shouldn't be. In other words, that's almost like magic and miracles. That's toys. That's not the real... Uh -huh. That doesn't get you in the presence of God. You get these powers that are, yes, yeah, superhuman. Really? But... If, how, if that's your goal, you're 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 missing out on uh, how much farther you can go. How old were you at this point? That was again like in my early thirties. And were you sitting in meditation at the time? Yeah, sitting on the dock meditating. Uh huh. And then I just felt like I was done because I had reached that where I cleared out my mind. Oh. And then the well, that's event, nice. The you event were like, happened after that. Okay, I got what I wanted, and. Uh... Oh, you. Well, that's all I can right. tell you. If you ever succeed in totally ceasing your thoughts, then you you feel a tremendous, tremendous amount of power and everything. Because you feel like your whole mind is cleared that you can do anything. Mm. It's like if you cleared off your whole uh, basement and your workbench, right? And everything, got all the tools hang up. And you say, well, now I can make anything, right? Because I don't right. have any clutter. That, yeah. Yeah, you, you can do that in your mind. Uh-huh. Are you glad that you had that experience? Uh, yeah, because I worked hard. I worked hard to uh -huh. get that. And, and, but it was just a toy. It was just a toy I found out later. Because mm. even you get these abilities to see things, to realize things. It's going to sound really goofy, but I'd have to tell you the whole story. But I can tell it real short. Sure. It's just cut through all the blabber, right? Yeah. Well, I, wa I walked up from the dock. I was living at this house, renting a house by the waterfront. I walked up from the dock, and I went to the driveway. And I looked down, and in the gravel there, it was a gravel driveway, there was this red stuff. I said, well, what is that? First, I said, maybe it could be transmission fluid. or I don't know what it is, but it was red. And then right after I looked at that, I said, I want to go visit Peter. He's a guy I knew at work. I I'd never been to his house. I knew where his house was. Uh, anyway, I said, I just feel like I, I want to go over and visit him, you know, because that's a good thing to do, right? So visit him. I went over there, right? And I knock, knock, knock on the door, right? No answer. And I started to walk back to my car. I looked at the house, and it seems like I could see the curtains rustling a little bit. What's going on here, you know? Because Peter is like a really gregarious guy. I said, what? Going. So I, I said, "This is this is Andy." You know, like Peter, are you are you in there? And then he opened up the door real slow, 
<clears throat> and it turned out the night before he had been drinking, he got in a really bad car crash. And he was just like hiding. He didn't know what to do. He was traumatized, huh? Yeah, yeah. So then I went in, and I ended up spending the night with him. But to me, in my mind, like that happened. I saw that red stuff on the ground, and I just got that feeling like, I want to visit Peter. I'm just out of nowhere. Uh huh. And to me, I, in my superstition or whatever it is, people could probably criticize it. But he really needed somebody. Uh, he was living there alone. Yeah. And, it, and there's no real easy way to explain that, is there? No. I mean, why would I just just randomly think of visiting that guy? And, now, is, you know, is that something you'd want to happen regularly in your life? No. I. <laughs> no. 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 I mean, not the accident part, but as far as the sort of Second getting, or, getting these cues of where to be and what to do and or, or like yeah seeing things at a distance or yeah sent, you know having knowledge of distant events uh-huh no i think i've matured since then yeah it just showed me that there was ability to reach these levels hmm. which that that's what i liked about it yeah but i think if you focused on that it would be it's not good enough even for me cuz uh that's just like magic and miracles yeah. that's something that's available in the universe and it seems like a, a really neat well it thing. seems pretty cool yeah but it's short of god it's okay. short of god okay you know and so. it's better god is better than that oh yeah that's and how do you know that well that's what i'm hoping <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so um do you plan to continue here and and just sort of see where it takes you oh yeah i want to as long as they'll have me here um you know and i'm doing this sunday serve i do that once a month uh-huh and uh my wife has even joked that well maybe it'll make you a better person because see you're not married to you're not well, tuned into that but uh <laughs> yeah you know we still have our arguments and everything sure, sure. and uh so maybe it will you know uh, and I'm sure it will. That's mm. the thing. I'm sure it will. You know, in other words, you can we, the whole experiment is, can we transcend this, transcend this suffering? Like I, that night, one night where I, I realized I had no fear. Zero. Right. Zero. Just for a short amount of time, right? Well, can we transcend the suffering? And we're still going to feel the pain, but, I mean, the true... To me, the true goal is if you, if you really believe in God, you have no worries and no fears. Mm. You know there's bad things. Mm -hmm. You know you can get cancer or anything can happen, right? But you, you know, you don't, you know what can happen, and you're, you don't want it to happen, but you don't fear it. You don't live in fear. You know, yeah. that that's what I'm looking for now. That's all I want. I don't want magical powers or anything. I just want to know, like when I was a kid, you know, but yeah. uh, I I think I'm trying to graduate, you know, into something better yeah. and find God and then, uh, which is the absolute truth. It's just like, you know, if you know something better is, is coming, right, a week from now, you can suffer through almost anything because you... Mm -hmm. You have your eye on that, and you say, yeah, you know, but I know what's going to happen. So 
if you really, to me, this is my theory, if once I realize God, then then the pain, the aches and pains of in the of living, you know, the psychological pain and everything. It loses its significance. Yeah, right? you say, yeah, it, it hurts, you know, like somebody hits you, it hurts, you know, but that's not the be-all and end-all, you know. I'm no. not going to get obsessed with that because I know, I know where the real deal is, you know. Yeah. And that's what I'm hoping for. But I, me, I have a very high standard. I can't, it has to really happen, you know. Yeah. I can't just, and that's, that's the conundrum, you know. That's the, mm. the issue for me is, is it really happening? So when I chant and everything, I believe because I accept the, the program or the structure, right? I believe that I'm serving Krishna, but I don't directly feel the feedback of having reached him on the transcendental plane. So uh, I'm, I'll keep contributing that, but eventually... You need feedback. Yeah, and and that should come in some way. I'm not right, saying right. how it, that I'm going to feel wonderful or float or uh, feel great or anything. I don't care how right. it happens, but you know, and, and there is something to be said for the people are welcoming and you have a nice time here. Yeah, and that may be a kind of feedback. Yeah, well, you're, I mean you're right, but even that you have to just so you just go along and try to realize sometimes it's right under your nose like that mm. i mean if i make a lot of friends i've never i have a few friends i have some good friends uh -huh. but i've never been like a real jolly person that has yeah, all yeah, kinds yeah. of friends and uh boy if that starts happening i'm gonna say yeah. <laughs> it's Man, working i recommend it to anybody because i know what i'm like you know like you said you are what you are yeah and and that's hard enough to work with yeah right to that's pretty depressing for me <laughs> come on I see you're even more popular than I am but so now you can imagine what it's like for me but uh, <laughs> well uh, people got, like you know I, I, I got my problems believe me yeah that's what I mean and but the question is is there more so all we can do is study and uh, and I'm I, I, I'm I'm an unruly person right mm. Like, well, if I learn something, I do better if I just learn it myself than somebody showing me, because yeah. I'm just, I'm, I don't want to fall that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I want to, but that's my nature, is I, I find myself resisting, you know? I yeah. have to learn it my own way, so, you know, I've got all that yeah. <laughs> baggage, you know? Yeah. Well, I think this is a, a, a nice place to uh, wrap up our conversation. Uh, thank you for sitting for the interview. And uh, you've been listening to Questions for the Sages. I'm Michael Scherer. Thanks for listening. Thanks again to Andy Andrews for being on the podcast. I would also like to thank Ananda Vrindavaneshwari Devidasi, the ISKCON of DC Temple President, for helping with guests for the show, and Rico Hayes for the theme music, and Miriam Lansky for discussions about how to approach the subject matter of the podcast. Also again, thanks to the Hare Krishna community of Potomac, Maryland, for making this all possible. I'm Michael Scherer, and you've been listening to Questions for the Sages. Questions for the Sages